So in Mark's Gospel, the disciples are messing up all the time. And I kind of like that. And if the people who are closest to Jesus couldn't get it right, it kind of makes me feel better. It gives me some hope when I don't get it right. And in Mark 9, this is one of those stories where they don't get it right. Um, A few verses prior, the disciples had tried to cast out a demon from a boy, and they couldn't do it. Um, And then, in this passage, they see someone else casting out a demon, and they get upset because that person is not part of the group of Jesus' followers. It's kind of ironic. So this passage in, in Mark 9 says, John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. They tried to cast out a demon and couldn't, and now this person over here, who isn't part of their group, is doing a healing that they couldn't do. And it kind of sounds like the disciples have some exorcism envy. It had to be a hit to their ego. I mean, if anyone can cast out a demon, it's going to be one of Jesus' disciples, not someone outside the group. See, Jesus' disciples, they have the corner on truth. They have the closest connection to God's power. So Jesus Jesus sees this opportunity um, for a lesson, and it's a lesson for me today that I need to hear um, on tolerance and inclusion. Um, So verse 39, Jesus responds to John. He says, Do not stop him, for no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly, I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose their reward. And if any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than have two hands and go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than have two eyes and be thrown into hell, Gehenna, where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? So have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. So Jesus gives them a lesson on tolerance. It's one I need to hear. Because the Christian tradition that I grew up in, um, Southern Baptist, evangelical tradition, and I learned a lot of really good lessons there. I learned that I'm loved by God. I learned that I can have a close relationship with God. Um, But like most traditions, most upbringings, I also learned uh, some negative lessons. Um, For instance, there were true Christians like us, and then there was everyone else. So Catholics, sorry, you didn't make the cut. You weren't true Christians. Methodists, they were closer, but they weren't quite there. When someone passed away, Tragically, I remember as a kid, often the, the first question I would hear asked was, were they a Christian? And had they said the sinner's prayer? Or in other words, were they one of us? I remember when I would see someone, a family, praying at a restaurant before their meal, I, holding hands, 
it kind of as a kid gave me a sense of comfort but it wasn't a comfort because this family was expressing a spirituality that was meaningful to them it was because they were one of us oh look over there they're they're christians too we're safe they're not like the rest of the world who's lost they're one of us they're on our side that was such a small kind of religion that i had um but honestly, I still wrestle with that on the other end of the spectrum. I find myself looking down on those who hold um, different Christian beliefs, different political or social views than I do. And that's certainly a problem that we see every single day on social media and news. Conservatives are pitted against liberals and liberals against conservatives and everything in between. And it's exhausting. Jesus has some strong words for me in the story, and it's essentially that that intolerance, it's a sign, it's a symptom of arrogance and ignorance. It's a, it's a sign that I believe there is no truth beyond the truth that I see. Um, William Penn once said something like, neither despise nor oppose what you do not understand. And William Penn was a Quaker, and he received a lot of persecution from Christians because he was a Quaker. Um, so he had some wise words there, neither despise nor oppose what you do not understand, but we usually do despise and oppose what we don't understand. Um, and there's actually a scientific reason for that. There's a study done at the University of California, and they put people in an MRI machine, which is a kind of a terrible, terrifying place to be, um, and they scan their brains while they were given arguments that... Um, were for kind of politically volatile topics like gun rights and, and gay marriage. And they found that when listening to an argument that was opposite of what they already believed, there was a specific part of the brain that kind of lit up like a light bulb. And that was the amygdala, a little almond-shaped part of your brain. It's kind of small. And it's associated with um, emotions and fight or flight response and your survival and fear. Um, so literally they found that when you are hearing an opposing argument for something you really have a deep belief in, your brain lights up as if you're being attacked, as if you're in survival mode. So your brain can't tell the difference between an, between an opposing point of view and a grizzly bear. So hearing an opposing view feels like an attack, even if those views that you're hearing, even if the information you're hearing is based in facts, if it goes against what you believe at your core, you're going to feel attacked and threatened. And you have those core beliefs in you that go back to your childhood. Um, so it feels like a threat when those are challenged. Um, but the way of Jesus in the story is to challenge the idea that it's a threat. It's to challenge the idea that I have the corner on truth. So the Christ way, I think, is to be open and to be curious, to be humble, to admit that I don't know all there is to know about a certain topic. Um, that my way of doing things isn't necessarily the only or best way of doing things. Um, so this story shows that the way of life um, I mean, Jesus contra contrasts life and hell, the kingdom of God and hell. And hell, that word in Greek is Gehenna, and it was basically the garbage dump outside Jerusalem. And it had a horrible, horrible reputation for being a place of child sacrifice. 
um, hundreds of years prior. Um, so it was a place that signified death and, and injustice and, and punishment and pain and suffering. Um, so he contrasts that kind of life with the life in the kingdom of God, a life that is free of, uh, of that kind of um, punishment. And he says that the way of life is essentially to offer love, to offer hospitality and kindness to people. And Jesus says in this passage, it's as simple as offering a drink to someone. That is to receive and to live in life, to help is to receive life, but to hurt others, to cause them to stumble, to stop someone who is doing good, to call out someone who's different, but they are doing good. Um, that leads to hell, to death. The question is, am I helping or am I hurting? So Jesus says it's better to drown yourself, to cut off your limbs, to gouge out your eye. And I'm so glad that we don't take this verse literally, because I wouldn't have any body parts left. Jesus is being really extreme here. He's talking in hyperbole, and he's serious, intense, dramatic. He means business. He's saying, get to the root, get to the source of what is causing intolerance toward others in me. Get to the source within me of what's causing injustice. Get to the source of what's causing oppression, of what's causing this mentality of us first them. Get to the source of all of these unloving things in my own heart and in our world and let's deal with it before we cause any more harm, any more stumbling blocks for people. And there are some things in our own traditions our own, and other traditions uh, and groups that we need to call out and question, like it's instances of abuse and injustice and we need to stop those people. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is talking about when we get upset at people, when we call people out, just because they're not part of our group. They may be doing some things that are really helping people, that are leading to life, that are doing the work of God and, and, and really trying to love people. Um, Jesus is saying, stop calling them out. They are doing the work of God. And so you need to honor and celebrate what they're doing. Um, because by doing so, you honor God. You know, right before the story, the, the disciples mess up again, and they're arguing about who's the best in their group. So much ego. Um, we do the same thing. And Jesus says, to be the best, you have to be a servant to all. So he takes a child in his arms. And he says, anyone who welcomes a child welcomes God. It's interesting because most of us, at some point in our childhood, hit a stumbling block. We hit a moment. Um, and often it was put there by, you know, the people who were supposed to love and protect us the most. It was a harsh word, and a name calling, or maybe emotional abuse, physical, sexual abuse from a parent, family member, a church leader, those who were supposed to protect us. They put some serious traumatic stumbling blocks uh, in your way. And those wounds, they stay with us no matter how many years passed. This hurt still feel new, and that hurting child is still within us, within you. And Jesus told his disciples, when you welcome a child, you welcome God. I wonder if maybe I need to welcome the child within me who's been stumbling block has been put there. And tell my younger self, my child self, you're okay. You're safe, you're loved. I have compassion on that part of myself. And then maybe this is an even harder part in some ways. 
I need to look at those with whom I disagree, those who I call the other, not one of my group, and I need to welcome the child within them, the child who's dealing with their own unbearable wounds. So to live in a state of intolerance, of us versus them, of these ego arguments, of who, who's the best, and that, Jesus says, is to live in hell, death. To live in life is to honor and celebrate acts of love and service and justice and healing wherever they may be, from whatever tradition or group they're coming from. And welcoming one who is powerless, you welcome God. And honoring and celebrating those acts and encouraging those acts of love and healing, it is honoring God. So Mark wraps up this passage with um, random sayings about salt. <laughs> some scholars think that, these, that Mark just kind of compiled some of these famous sayings of Jesus about salt. Um, Salt was a huge deal in the ancient world. For, for like thousands of years, it was used as currency. I mean, wars have been fought over salt. Uh, our survival as a species could be said it was dependent on salt because salt preserves. It preserves food. It keeps it, stops it from decaying. Um, so Jesus kind of uses a powerful metaphor here for, for his listeners. He, and he urges them to be like salt because salt preserves. It gives food life it if you listen to, to chefs and watch these chef competition shows they talk about how salt brings all of the flavor different flavors on the plate together um, so jesus says have salt in yourselves and preserve the peace with one another so be salty salt prevents decay unlike salt humility preserves. It preserves the peace. Humility kind of breaks down those walls of us first them. Humility admits that I am no better than you, that I do not see the whole picture here, and I do not have all the information, that I don't have the corner on truth. Humility makes a life that tastes flavorful and memorable and delicious. The pride and ego says, I don't need to change. I don't need to take away anything. I don't need to add anything to my worldview, to my life. I am great the way I am. How I see things is perfect. The humility says, no, I, my worldview is a little bland. It's a little off. It needs some salt. It needs some life. That means I have more to learn. And that, this passage says, I believe, is the way of Jesus. We need to have a little more salt in our lives.